Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman alongside Pete Robertson. Hey, hello. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So our second 2024. Show. Yep. Our second show of the year. And um what was our first show? Crazy. I don't remember. It was, was that, it was so long ago. Wait, wasn't that the one that we talked about Italy? Like you should yeah, travel to Italy. You, that was fun. You should travel to it. I mean, yeah, no, that was fun. I should travel to Italy. No, we did we talked about that. I think go back and listen to it. That was a cool show. That's because I was in Rome, I think, right? Yep. Yeah. That's my wife's bucket list trip. She wants to go one there. Day. And if I want to go to Switzerland, yeah. so we can just tie the two together, maybe. Right. Oh, absolutely. That'd be cool. Just stay in, unless you, yeah, just stay in, Milan, stay in Milan, do a couple of days in Switzerland and go come north, back. young man. Yeah. Wait, that's not it. Go west, young. Anyway, yeah. I want to see, I want to see the, the Alps. There's a, there's a lot of beauty and a lot of ministry in Italy. I think it's, I think it's kind of like a conservative kind of country because the majority of the people I talk to are very um, open to uh, talking about things of God. I can tell you that. And, um, I think everybody actually. Yeah. And then, um, also it's, you can, you can sense that they are, they care about life. They care about people. There's a genuine like love or kindness in Italy. There's, it's a little bit different, you know, the food's pretty good. <laughs> we talked, <laughs> we talked about that on the show, I guess last week, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. But I mean, talk about politics. I mean, it's, we got back, you know, we're we're here in the States. This year is an election it's year an for election. us. You know, the first, well, it's not a primary. I guess the Iowa caucus, I still don't really understand how that works. It's the I first they, one. They gather in a room or something and you got to pick. It's, it almost sounds like teams picking, you know, like kickball. And there's a team captain and they, they just pick sides and it's just weird. I don't understand. But it's it, the first one. Yeah. It, is there it's a, bri- a big deal. Is there bribing going on? I mean, how do you get your name to be the top? Are they because they they always say it's like whoever they select is usually going to be kind of like the you know it's like the early front runner at least yeah, yeah. wait maybe I should go to Iowa next week and what, witness it for myself yeah what are the chances what are the what is the statistics of who they pick in Iowa becoming president I wonder if it's a higher I don't know that's a good good if one. I wasn't using my hey, phone to record this podcast I would ask listeners <laughs> yeah if you're here there let us know how that works I would love to know but we were talking about in our prep show. Um, that the mail-in ballots and, and Elon Musk posted this, uh, I think yesterday or day before he was talking about, he goes in the United States, you do not need to have a driver's license, really a name or anything. And you can mail in and vote. And I thought about that for a second. I says, wait, you don't have to be a registered and you could just get a mail-in ballot. You don't have to have any license. You don't have to have any proof. Well, technically you have to be a resident, but I guess his point is, you don't have to prove it. All you got to do is say, yeah, I'm a resident and you can vote with an absentee ballot. There seems to be a problem with that. I don't understand it. That's what I was trying to ask you. Oh, I understand it. What is, but I mean, how? Why that's would, not right. Why would you be okay with that? And I don't care what party you're at. Yeah. Why would you be okay with that unless you wanted the opportunity to, um, I don't know, 
Well, I change the numbers. Yeah, because then you were talking about. Remember how we were saying, like in Wisconsin or somewhere, they order like a hundred something thousand ballots the week before. Yeah, absentee ballots. Absentee ballots. Yeah. But why would you do that? Because there's not enough time to get into clerical error. They just ordered them, and then we too late. And then we saw in 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 Atlanta, Georgia, what was it, forty thousand ballots that weren't uh, absentee ballots that weren't even creased. They were like perfectly mint condition. Yeah. And there was like no evidence, you know. They, they were never folded to put into envelopes. Yeah. But they were counted. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that's weird. You know, you're going to get banned now because you talked about elections. But stuff. what about, but I mean, I'm, I'm just asking the question. I'm not understanding. And the other one was, we talked about it was like, you can do, you could start the election like six weeks in advance or yeah, something. So that leaves a lot of open doors. And I understand if you're truly like, living in Italy and it's an election year and you want to be able to vote or you're an American reasons for absentee. And and if you, but then, so if that was the case, then you would show your driver's license. You would show that you're a citizen. There would be evidence of your residency or you're a military member serving in Germany or there's a military like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's legit reasons. Yeah. But we can, I mean, over the last few elections, it's like the numbers of, People that vote not on election day. They, it's ironic. I like like they did in Iraq where they made them put their ink. Yes, they should do that. So we're one if we voted, I ink, mean now but ink they give us thumb. they give us stickers. I mean that kind of shows, but you can always buy those stickers or get somewhere else. But something that proves and that you you're here it. physically going to vote, that you're a part of this. I mean, I don't know. Here's what I think. <clears throat> if I was in charge, what I think I would do. What? Make Election Day, a national holiday. Yeah. Because a lot of people say, well, I got to work. I can't go right. from seven to seven right. or whatever it is. Right. Make it a national holiday. Make everybody vote in person. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that or because if, you can't harvest ballots that or, way. But. Or if you can prove that you're in somewhere else yeah. because of military or you're just there. Or maybe you're in a hospital. Know. You know, maybe you're sick. You know, there's there's reasons for it, but it's being abused. That's what it seems like. And so as a Christian what are we to do? I mean, that's not right. And, and it seems like it. So I what would an, you do? I want Christian? an honest election. <laughs> and I'm not saying, forget the past. The past is done. There's nothing we can do about that. Right. Going forward, I just want honest elections. I want to have faith that what we vote for is actually what comes out. Right. And, you know, I know if it's the other side, if one side wins, or you know, it doesn't matter which side. I want to have faith in If we lose faith in the election, then... That's that's the end of the republic. I isn't think it? that's the reason why we're even bringing this up because I feel like we're leading that way. I think after the 2020 election, it raised. I mean, again, I, we're not getting a pro Trump or Biden or whatever of that election. We're just basically saying there is enough discrepancies that I can physically see, and I don't know what we're being fed is even true anyway because the, the military yeah, media be is be made up too. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's like, I'm trying to, I want to know the truth of what's going on. And based off of what I do know, what we just described, we do know about the Atlanta stuff. We do know about um, the 100,000 and whatever. At least well, again, I didn't see told. that in person. Yeah, I mean, but at least what be we've been either. told. Yeah. yeah, at least what we've been told. Right. But it could be like some right-wing conspiracies right. or something else. Could be. But Well, let me ask you this question. What? Election, I mean, we're, what, 10 months away from the election? Yeah. Is there, do you have any faith that both sides are going to agree with the outcome of the election? No, and I don't, no, and I don't believe that, I believe that there's a enough 
of questions out there that make us skeptical yeah. and it sucks. So as a Christian, what do we do? You know, as a, as a follower of Christ, what is our role in the election? And so what is your thoughts? And maybe we can talk about that. First. Well, what does the Bible say about absentee ballots? It doesn't say anything. Oh, okay. yeah. I, I think, I mean, the Bible, from what I understand, and we've talked about this at, at length in, in past podcasts, but I I fully believe that we are to honor the government and and Agreed. and do that and pay our taxes and to um, be honorable and be good citizens and be people of peace and um, and to be kind and love people. I, I I believe that and I believe that we also have been given in this country the opportunity to be able to vote and to be able to give our opinions or our voices of of who we think is going to best run our country. And so I think as a Christian, we should vote according to God's perfect will, meaning both candidates are messed up. Both of them have flaws just like us. Um, but who will best represent God's voice? Who will, who will bring to the ballots or bring to, you know, law or govern the best way according to God's way, you know, and it's, it's hard to say it today. You know, you look at all the candidates and you're just like, Oh, will they, you know, or is they, yeah. are they being ran by a super PAC or are they being ran by some sort of organization and they have to pull strings that way? I don't know, but uh, we're just, I pray that God would raise up people that would fear God trust him and not give in to these super PACs because of money and not try to, you know, lose your faith, mm -hmm. so to speak, and really govern according to God. Because you look back on David, David, that was a theocracy, right? So David ruled based off of God's leadership. David, before he went to war, prayed, God, what should I do? God mm -hmm. says, yes, you should go. That's what we're looking for in our leaders. Pray, seek God, know God, hear him. It. That's, that's yeah. my prayer. My desire is that we would have a leader that seeks. Yeah. And that's honest and it's genuine, you know, and I think there's a few out there. Scott is no longer um, going, but Senator Scott, uh, I forget where he's at, but I liked him. I, he was a guy that you seemed like really was seeking the Lord yeah. um, in, in genuine, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of these that are here now. I mean, it's unusual, but is, is anybody challenging? Have you heard anybody challenging uh, Biden as the, the incumbent? So we're in primary season. We'll know who the candidates are by this summer. We will do usually July, August. We will do shows on this in probably the summertime talking about this. Yeah, but we'll I, have I more information by then. I sense that it's not going to be Biden. I, don't I was know. just going to ask you, do you think it's going to be a Biden Trump rematch? I don't even know if Trump is going to be in there, but I don't think Biden because my heart hurts for him. I mean, he's not, he's incoherent at times. He's having trouble walking and talking and, um, it just, he's, age has gotten to him. And so my heart hurts. I pray for him all the time. I, I just, I don't think he's going to be able to, I don't know. It, I mean, it's probably going to be like someone like uh, Gavin Newsom from California or um, Michelle Obama. I think those yeah. are probably the two. Those are the two names I keep hearing. Yeah. floated. And then, I isn't mean, the Ken isn't Kennedy running or is he going to run as an independent? Independent, but he'll take from both sides. I mean, he's. He's like right down the middle. I don't know. And from the conservative side, Republicans, it's Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley, it seems. I but know Trump's got a huge lead. But then the question is to the these court cases, which uh, whether you like Trump or not, going after the leader of the other party is just, Oh, and again, that should huge. raise flags for yeah. people. You know, it's it's 
you like them or not, but there's still going to be a level of morality involved in this. And it just seems like there's, they throw that out the door. They don't even care. They're just whatever they can do to try to make it stick. Well, and that pendulum swings both ways. That's the, you know, that's the really scary part is what happens when it swings the other way, you know? Oh, that's not uh, good. But as a Christian, we still be involved. We still talk about it like we're doing now. And more than anything else, we trust God with results. He is He is always at work, regardless of who wins or not wins. Um, we That's do, so key. We got to remember that. We do our best to, to vote the way that God leads us, the best we can, that best glorifies Him, the best we know. Um, but God will put in into leadership who needs to be in leadership. And, you know, our world is in chaos right now. It's burning. It's, it's, it's ugly. There's the chaos, there's evil. There's, I mean, you watch the news. It's ugly. I mean, I just got back from Europe and just seeing it again there. It's just everywhere. It's that the thing, the same mentality is everywhere. It's people are feeling anxiety and restlessness and politics does that a lot. Yeah. Well, you brought up politics. Let me throw one more thing at you. See, I want to get your opinion on this. Yeah. Um, and I didn't bring this up in the show prep because I didn't think about it until just now. But this, the whole Epstein list and all of this, do you think, is that going to affect um, political process this year? Or is it just a smokescreen to distract us from something else? You know, the other thing is, it may, I think it's probably a smokescreen, but I have no idea how much of this is true or not, right? So anybody that's following uh, Jeffrey it's sad we don't have faith in, right. in our news sources anymore. Right. Because so Jeffrey Epstein supposedly was this um, billionaire mogul that that had, you know, child pornography. He's been caught with, um, I guess, prostitution and whatever that is and all that stuff. And then apparently he's connected with all these famous people and that they were all about child uh, you know, sex slave and all this stuff. I don't know the whole gist of it, but this is the gist of what I do know. And so these lists are coming out of people that have been to his island and, and, and all this stuff. And here's where I'm at. I can't judge anybody because I am, I, I have never been a child. So don't get that. You haven't I've been to Epstein's island? never been okay, any of that. Good. And I, my heart, thank you, Jesus, has been changed to want to do good and stay away from that evil. But I still have shortcomings. And I, and I look at people and I see it. And I don't get caught up into the gossip. I don't get caught up into that. And I just start praying. And, and my heart hurts because Jesus sees these people and he says, I love you. I want a relationship with you. And you don't have to choose these ways. You don't have to choose that. So do I know what's going to do? Is it a smoke screen? Is there something? I have no idea. I just know that God loves each one of them. God hates sin and he definitely hates child pornography and child sex, sex trafficking. And um, we do not want to support that one way or the other. And if somebody is involved in that, we, we can, as Christians say that uh, God does not, God is not okay with that. Uh, If God's not okay with that, we're not okay with that, but it doesn't change the fact that we're not praying for that person and that we're not asking that God would, would come into their life and reveal his truth to them. And so I have no idea where Jeffrey Epstein was, and I don't know how true what that's true, but I feel like it's politics. I feel like the, like again, right-wing conspiracists or whatever, it's like they make this like this whole big thing, but I, it's both sides, but I feel like, oh, they've made this bigger, I don't know. 
I mean, yeah. if there is like a real childhood child processing underground thing or whatever, that's not good. We need to reveal that. We definitely don't want that. If there's truth to that and there's like this whole, all these leaders and all of this going on, I pray to God that that comes to light because that's not good, right? I mean, gosh, oh. it makes me sick if that's true. Yeah, I haven't really dug into it much. Um, I mean, it's been all over the news the last couple of weeks, so learned some stuff about it. And one of the one of the interesting theories that I heard was that maybe it was like a it was almost like a blackmail type situation where maybe it was a CIA has set this thing up, and it's just a way to. But who knows? You know, there's so many theories out there. But my heart thinks I feel like we're being distracted with something else. They're well, like, they're maybe using that. It's like. Look at what's in my right hand so you don't see what the left hand is doing type of thing. I don't know. Maybe it's my distrust for government. Well, and that's why that's why we put our hope and our trust in Jesus. I mean, that's why we don't get caught up into that and get moved by that. Yeah. We're we're just we see it from God's eyes and we deal with it from God's eyes. And if it grieves God's heart, it grieves our heart. Um, and we're not shy about talking about it. We're talking about it. Um, we're not shy about bringing God's word or truth to it, but and at the same time, I we don't know, you know. But what I do, what I, but I, but I do know who does know, and that is God, the That's author right. and finisher of our. I know family. a guy, and 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 I and I know this for a fact, and so I know that He is in charge and He's doing it. So, yeah, I hope this helps people. I, here we are talking about politics. <laughs> we do that. We love it. Bob and I behind the scenes always talk about politics. We love doing this, and we talk about sports a lot. You guys know. But it's, I think it's, I think we're, we want to help Christians learn to see politics the way God sees it. And he was totally apolitical. He was for both sides and he wants to, he wants to work in everybody. He wants to love everybody. That's the reason why he came onto the earth to save the world. And so we just, we call it out for what it is and we, we say it for what it is, but at the same time, we're going to come from God's eyes and we're not, you're not going to hear us pointing fingers. You're not going to hear us taking sides. You're not going to hear us like getting all bent out of shape. Oh my gosh. But we will raise questions like this ballot thing. That's, those are questions that I really have. And I'm not trying to take a side or not. I'm trying to use common sense here. And I'm asking an honest question, but I'm surrendering this to God and just saying, God, this is weird. You yeah. know, could you change this maybe and make this make sense? Yeah. But in the way the world's going today, nothing makes sense. Right. Who knows? Why? Well, today we're going to talk about uh, a friend, <laughs> a friend of God's. That's it. Oh, I, this is going to be exciting. I, I think we teased uh, the the book of Genesis a little bit uh, the end of last year, and uh, we're going to have some fun with it this year. Before we, but before we get started, and I give you the show title, let's uh, let's open up in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity, this chance to just talk to uh, our listeners and talk to each other. Uh, as we dive into the book of uh, Genesis and learn more about this man that uh, you call a friend, and uh, uh, just exciting. I, I, Pete and I both love love this book because it's so much about history, and uh, we're both kind of geeks in that, Lord. And uh, I just ask that as we discuss this, as we read your Word, that we would just bring light and uh, truth to our listeners. We pray that they would they would hear our hearts. That uh, we we just want to share what you have to share, Lord. And it's not about us. Uh, it's just it's about you. And everything we want to do, we want to point our listeners to Amen. you. So, um, Father, interesting discussion this morning. Again, you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know everything that's going on. The governments will rest on your shoulders. Amen. And uh, 
we don't uh, we don't need to worry about that. We can lay it at your feet. So help us to do that today, Lord. Bless this show in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, our title today is a Christian profile of Abraham. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, was thinking, I was thinking since we are going to be covering Genesis throughout the year, and I love that we're covering it. There's a lot of time we're going to be talking about like Abraham and Sarah, and so I think in a couple of weeks we're going to be doing on Sarah and. But as we're going through the book of Genesis and these characters come up, I thought it'd be cool. Let's just let's just give a bio of them, right? Let's just kind of dissect how they're used or how what we know about them yep. in the Bible. So that'll be kind of fun. I and, think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And yeah. then we'll do we'll do politics shows and sports shows at times. Well, it's an election year. We have no choice. We have to talk a little bit about politics. But uh, again, everything through um the lens of the Bible, everything through God's perspective. And, and that's what we're going to try to do. I mean, you'll hear, I, we're human. You're going to hear our opinions at times, but our goal is to share the right, the righteous invasion of truth. Yes. So uh, that's really what we want to do. Yeah. So throughout this year, we're going to dive deep into the rich narrative uh, of this book of Genesis. Our journey will include uh, spotlight episodes dedicated to key figures, like Pete was saying, uh, throughout the book, beginning with uh, some very pivotal, pivotal characters in Abraham and Sarah. In today's show, we will focus on the life of Abraham, exploring his journey and his impact. Then, in coming weeks, we'll shift our attention to Sarah and so on, offered a detailed explore, exploration of her life and legacy. You know, I'm already looking for just reading that. I'm already looking forward to Joseph is one of my favorite characters in all the Bible. And, uh, man, we could probably do weeks and weeks and oh, weeks just on, him on, alone. On, on him alone. Well, next week... So this week we'll be doing with Abraham. Next week we're going to talk about Genesis 15. And then I think the following week we're going to talk about Sarah. And then we'll go into, I believe, Genesis 16. And I think Joseph will be coming in a f like few months. Yeah. Well, we kind of need Isaac and Jacob before we can get to Joseph. Right. right. There's going to be a little bit of pain. <laughs> but today let's talk about Abraham. All right. All right. Let's talk about Abraham. Aside from Moses, no Old Testament character is mentioned more in the New Testament than Abraham. James refers to Abraham as God's friend. Oh, See James 2.23. So cool. I know I kind of tipped that earlier, yeah. but uh, I just love that. That's so awesome. How would you like to be known as God's friend? Well, yes, I was talking to my brother last night, and uh, he was talking just, he has his relationship with the Lord is just unbelievable right now, right? And he's just going through a little bit. And if you're seeing his Nick, hey, shout out to you. And uh, um, he just, I was talking to him, listening to him, I said, man, you just, you know Jesus, I mean, you're, you have that, you're a friend of God, you know, your relationship and I could just hear it just all, but you could tell the difference, you know, people that have been with Jesus and people that are talking about Jesus, but haven't been to him, they're not friends, but Abraham, man, he's been with Jesus. So he knows. So that's cool. Very cool. Right. Um, believers in all generations are called the children of Abraham. See Galatians 3, 7. Abraham's importance and impact in the redemptive history are clearly seen in scripture. Yep. So let's start with this. The life of Abraham takes up a good portion of the Genesis narrative from his first mention in Genesis 11:26 all the way to his death in Genesis 25:8. So if my math is right, that's almost 15 uh, chapters. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Although we know we know much about Abraham's life, we know little about his birth and his early life. So we don't we didn't get to see him on the playground. Is that you know kind of what we're saying? Yeah, that's a little weird because when we are first um, meet Abraham, it's, he's 75 years old. So that's in Genesis 11, 28. It records that Abraham's father, Terah, lived in Ur, an influential city in the southern Mesopotamia. You know, that's situated on the Euphrates River and about halfway between 
the head of Persian Gulf in the modern day Baghdad. So if you can. So Iraq. Yeah. So if you can. Yeah, it's in Iraq and that area. And I think that's where the Garden of Eden is in that area. I was looking at uh, maps before of that, and I was trying to pinpoint where the Garden of Eden might be. But we also learned that Terah took his family, which is Abraham's dad, um, and set off to the land of Canaan. Um, but that's where Israel, you know, that area, that whole Israel area is the land of Canaan. So head off to, but instead settled in a city of Haran, which is Southern Turkey. So if you look at Turkey, you remember there was a big earthquake in Turkey not too long ago that was up by Antioch. That's where uh, Paul went up yeah. to Antioch. Yeah. Well, Haran would have been right around that region. So the far, I mean, past Lebanon, all the way up into Turkey, Southern Turkey, um, that's where they settled. So that was in Haran. So that's where Abraham took care of his wife. I think our Genesis 14 show last month or two months ago, we talked about how God told Abraham to go to the land of Canaan and not take his family, but he ended up taking his family and he ended up waiting on his dad to pass away in Haran. And then he moved down into Israel or to the land of Canaan. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of gives you a little bit of a geography of really what's happening here. And uh, it always helps me to build a picture and on a map, but I mean, I'm a kind of a visual guy. I love maps and geography and all that stuff. So it, it certainly helps me. And you know what, Yeah. When I went to Israel and actually being able to see it, that made a huge difference in my in my mind. Just when I was picturing this stuff as we're reading, yeah, it, you, you actually, can see north, you can see yeah. south, east, west, yeah, yeah, it just makes a yeah. huge difference. Anyway, yeah. as we studied at the end of last year, Abraham's story really turns interesting at the start of Genesis twelve. In the first three verses, we see the call of Abraham by God. Yeah, so remember we talked about this. Um, in our Genesis twelve show, so you can really get the the context of this calling. But um, Genesis 12, one through three says, the Lord had said to Abraham or Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land. I will show you, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So this is, I would say this is his call. Okay. So God would meet us where we're at. And he's going to, there's in my life, let me just tell my call. So I knew that God had a call in my life to be in, to serve him with my life at an early age. I just knew it. Um, Like Abraham, I didn't know really what that looked like. And I've had a lot of life experiences and I've had a lot of time in my life where I chose my own self versus God. And God clearly came to me and said, Hey, choose me or choose it yourself. And I was like, well, I'm doing both. And he's like, nah, I want you to choose me or choose yourself. So, but then over time, I started really hearing clearly the voice of God and really hearing the still smallness in my relationship and my communion with him and my quiet time with him. And, and the call came. And, and when the call came, it was very clear. I want you to, and then I want you to be obedient. I want you to thrive in your moments. I want you to bring me glory in all that you do. I want you to use your gifts and your talents for me. I want you to position yourself so that you are multiplying, discipling, and and sharing the truth and the gospel to the world. It was very clear what he was telling me. And I was like, well, that's what you've made me to be. That's what what I know to do. And he's like, yes, and I'm going to position you. I'm going to build up around you. 
a people in a in a in in a in 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 what a uh, uh, like minded people that will be able to do ministry with you, and so like I, we could bring glory together, and that's kind of what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. So it was very clear to me, and so and it's and I can say now versus where I was twenty years ago, is I wasn't I was doing God's will, but I wasn't I don't think in the center of God's will because I still wasn't completely surrendered. So here. Abraham was given clearly of what his calling was, what he was supposed to do. And then Abraham still had trouble listening. Like we just said, he went to Haran first where God told him to go to Canaan and leave his family. He ended up bringing his dad and everybody else. It's hard to leave your parents behind, right? It's hard to do that. So God's like, I will take care of them. You do what I ask. But, you know, again, but he finally heard it and then God, and then he was obedient. Anyway, that's your call. Man, I I just got this picture in my head. Talking about, you know, trying to live in his will and be in his will and doing our own thing. I got a picture of of me standing uh, on the, a river shoreline, one foot in a canoe, one foot on land. It's like, if you want to really follow God's will, you've got to put both feet in the canoe and it. let him take you where he wants to take you. That's it. As long as you keep one foot on land, you're never, you're not going to move. You're, you're like, okay, I can see his will. I can feel his will moving under the boat. Isn't that a weird picture? It, just like, it's a perfect just picture. In, and it's Paul, when Paul says that he's learned to be content in whatever it is, if he has a lot, as he has a little, he's learned to be content and to rest in wherever the flow goes. I mean, when Paul would say, no, the spirit of God would not prohibit me to go to the north. He would not allow me to go. Instead, God revealed himself that I'm supposed to go over to uh, across the way to Greece. Hmm. And, and so it's, it's, yes, you get to the vulnerability part of your life where you're now saying, okay, God, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know I'm going to bring you glory today and I'm going to trust your voice today. Mm. And that's where Abraham was, was. He gave him kind of the, the gist of where he was going, but he didn't tell him exactly what was going on. But Abraham had to go in faith. The same thing with us today. That was good. good. Yeah. I'm all in, Lord. Yeah. Amen. That's good. All right. God calls Abraham out from his home in Haran and tells him to go to a land that he will show, to him. show him. God also makes three promises to Abraham. One, he promised a land of his own. Two, he promised to make him into a great nation. And three, he promised the promise of blessing. That's what a, how cool is that? What else do you need right there? <laughs> That's pretty good. I mean, these promises form the basis for what will later be called the Abrahamic covenant established in Genesis 15. We're going to talk about that next week. And it's been ratified in Genesis 17. But really makes Abraham special is that he obeyed God. Genesis 12, 4 records that after God called Abraham, he went as the Lord had told him. That's exactly what he said. So I think if you want to know, the bottom line is Abraham lived or served a foreign God. We have to understand in that region where he was from, they served other gods, right? So that's what he knew. But the true and living God revealed himself to Abraham. And he's like, wait, those other gods are not right. You're right. And he chose to obey the true and living God. If God is speaking to you today and you're hearing him, obey him. And that's the, the lesson that Abraham gave us here. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, the author of Hebrews uses Abraham as an example of faith several times and refers specifically to this impressive act. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Hebrews 11.8. Right. So how many of us would leave behind everything <clears throat> that is familiar to us and just go without knowing our destination. I mean, seriously, it's it's hard. It's like, you know, when I was called to come to Florida, 
we had offers to go up to Alaska. We had offers to go into uh, Kentucky and some other places. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, I don't want to go to Alaska, please, no, whatever. But I had to get into my heart to say, God, I will go where you want me to go. And it was then when God finally revealed that we were supposed to come to Florida. But it was it was a struggle, you know, and so it's hard. We have to really put ourselves in his position that, you know, God's revealing himself, but he's telling him to go. God might tell you that, hey, I want you to do this, or I want, I'm calling you to this, whatever that is. We have to just trust that he has our best interests in mind. But the concept of family meant everything to a person living in the time of Abraham. In that time, family units were strongly knit. It was unusual for family members to live hundreds of miles apart from each other. So in addition, we're not told anything about the religious life of Abraham and his family prior to his calling. The people of Ur and Haran worshiped in ancient Babylonian pantheons of gods, in particular the moon god, Sin, so-called Abraham, out of the pagan culture. Abraham knew and recognized the call of Yahweh, the Lord, and obeyed willingly, not hesitantly. We live in a pagan land and are called out of it. So many of us without even knowing it, or worshiping other gods. And we have to be very careful. It's like, I've, I've been doing this thing on Sundays, putting my phone uh, away. I'm not even touching my phone, and I'm just using my watch phone now. But at least if I had a message or I had to respond right away, I have it on my thing. But I'm my phone has been too much. It's it's becoming close to my God because everything I do is on that. And, and I said, Lord, I don't want anything to control me. And so if that means I don't use a computer, if I don't have the phone, I'm not going to do it. And, and so I made this pact with the Lord because I don't want, I want him to be my God only. But without us knowing it, TV shows, music, entertainment, our hobbies, you know, whatever that is can be our God. And we can put all of our interest in that. And we're not, it's hard for us to walk away from it. If God said, no, I don't want you to do that. And we have to be very content there. And that's what Paul was talking about. That's what you're saying. When we get into that boat, it's like God is saying, listen, everything else is secondary. I'm the primary. You got to trust that I'm going to you know, post or float or float you where you go. Gotta float your boat. Yeah. Float your boat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just it's can you imagine guy coming to you and just saying, you know, hey, you need to go. You know, it's kind of we talked about this a couple months ago when we were talking about the pilgrims. Yeah. They got a similar, kind of a similar situation. Oh, They're yeah. like, hey, I want you to sail across the sea, make a new home in this place that you know nothing about. Crazy. It's just, yeah, you you gotta have and you've got to trust God is good. That's it. All right. Another example of Abraham's life of faith is seen in the birth of his son, Isaac. Abraham and Sarah were childless, a real source of shame in that culture. Yet, God promised that Abraham would have a son in Isaac, see Genesis 15, 4. Yeah, we're going to kind of get into this. We're going to actually talk about this at, in depth in next week's show in Genesis 15. But, I mean, there Abraham's 99 years old, and I believe Sarah is like 90 years old. And, I mean, it's just... <sighs> It's that it's it's almost comical, and they laughed, I and mean, we're going to talk about that laugh. You know, they laughed when they were told. But Isaac would be the heir of Abraham's vast fortune, which God blessed him, and more importantly, he would be the heir of promise and the continuation of godly line in Seth. And, and if you remember, the the godly line was you know from from Adam and Eve, it went to Cain and Abel, right? But uh, Cain slew Abel. And so it was going to go through Abel because God was going to bless Abel and Cain was not a good spirit, a bad heart. And he cursed Cain. And so Adam and Eve had another son, Seth. And then it says that the, the, the line now will go through Seth, right? And so when you follow the genealogy of Seth, it would get to Abraham, right? It get through there and it get to Abraham. 
And so here, here it is, has no son. He's at 99 years old. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm going to continue the line through you. You know, I'm going to bless you. And not only that, I'm going to create a, uh, a, a the, the most dominant religion ever to known to mankind through you. And, and not only that, I'm going to, I'm going to, through your line, um, all the generations after you can be blessed and that I'm going to give an opportunity for all the generations after to have a way into having a relationship with me. And that through the line of Abraham, then we get to Jesus. Jesus then was able to do what he did. And now, you know, we are grafted in and we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We're grafted in into the Abrahamic covenant. We talk about this in Rome, I mean, Rome in Romans. And I got Rome in my mind. And so we're going to get into that a little bit more, but this is pretty fascinating, you know? So here it is. He's, he's being told something that seems impossible that God made possible. You confused me on something. Go ahead. You said create the greatest religion. Did you mean nation? Well, no. Did you mean religion? I would say religion because, I mean, it could be a nation because of Jewish, but I mean, they created a theocracy and, and it was no other gods, one God, the true and living God, Yahweh. And so it's through Abraham that that system was set up. Hmm. And so today, that's how we we live our lives. We we listen to God first, not our government. Listen to God first. Now, we obey the government and we're peaceful within the government, but we are, we are led by God. And so the, he's the one that established that. And then a people group. So a nation came from that, you know, and so on. Just making sure I heard you right. Yeah. Okay. That was good. Number six, God reiterates his promise to Abraham in Genesis 17, and his faith is rewarded in Genesis 21 with, finally, the birth of Isaac. Yeah, well, Abraham's faith would be tested regarding his son Isaac. In Genesis 22, God commands Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the top of Mount Moriah. But we know this as a story of foreshadowing foreshadowing for Jesus, right? We don't know how Abraham reacted internally to his command. All we see is Abraham faithfully obeying in God, uh, the God who was his shield, Genesis 15.1, and who had been extraordinarily gracious and good to him up to this point. So as with the earlier command to leave his home and family, Abraham obeyed, Genesis 22.3. We know the story ends with God holding back Abraham from sacrificing Isaac. Thank you, Lord. But imagine how Abraham must have felt. He had been waiting decades for a son of his own, and the God who promised the child to him was about to take him away. The point is that Abraham's faith in God was greater than his love for his son, and he trusted that even if he sacrificed Isaac, God was able to bring him back from the dead. Hmm. And, and, I, and I'm thinking, you know, God gives us a direct promise, and then we're obedient, and then he gives us another command or, or something, and it does, and it counter, it contradicts the first command. In your mind, you're like, it don't make any sense, you know, but, but not my will, but your will be done. Maybe yeah. what Jesus taught us, but it, it, but it then comes back to, you have to think that, wait, he's got to do something miraculous here. There's got to be something spectacular because why would he do that? It doesn't make any sense. He's only been a good God. He's only been faithful. He's only done everything that's right by me. So I'm thinking from Abraham's perspective, that's kind of what it is. But if God calls us, to do something and that kind of comes up, we just have to trust God in that moment. We just have to be obedient in that moment, not try to go look ahead, not try to look back, just say, God, I want to be obedient. I want to love you and I want to glorify you in this. And so Abraham did what he was supposed to do to glorify God and then God took care of the rest. Crazy story. It is. It really is. All right. To be sure, Abraham had his moments of failure and sin as we all do. 
And the Bible doesn't shrink from sharing those with Isn't that us. Cool? I love that. Yeah. We know of at least two occasions which Abraham lied regarding his relationship to Sarah in order to protect himself in potential hostile lands. These that story just blows me away. <laughs> There's two times. <laughs> I mean, that's a nice way of putting it. He was pimping out his wife. Yeah. yeah. In both of these incidents, God protects and blesses Abraham despite his lack of faith. We also know that the frustration of not having a child wore on Abraham and Sarah. Sarah suggested that Abraham have a child with her servant, with Sarah's servant, Hagar, on her behalf. And then Abraham, being a, a, a dude, agreed. Yeah, well, I, I know a lot of people like made fun of this. Like, oh, of course he's going to say yes. I mean, she's probably pretty and da, 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 da. But, you know, you got to understand, in that culture, that's probably more norm than not. Um, it, you know, you'd know about, you know, the multiple wives, you know, that they've had, the concubines, you know, all of that. There's a little bit more in that culture yeah, than we, we tend to put things <clears throat> through our our experiences and our you know our culture. The, yeah. The moral of it though was that he was taking ownership of it. And and God's like, no, you trust me. And in my timing, because I said it's going to be through Sarah and not through Hagar, I would have told you it was through Hagar, but it it's gonna be through Sarah. So you have to trust me. And so again, that's the battle of our spirit and our flesh. You know, the flesh is saying, I want to take control. I'm just being obedient, Lord. I'm just helping you out <laughs> versus waiting on God, being still on God, trust his timing with everything. Let, you know, the canoe boat take you where it's going to go without you putting one foot on the, the land and getting off. So, you know, that's kind of what it is. But yeah, Abram here is, is you know, this is kind of where right before he had um, Isaac, he was Abram. But right before he had Isaac, he became Abraham. So Abram is just, you know, the father, his the high father, but Abraham is the father of many nations. And so Abram, he was Abram into that. And then God showed up, I believe it was in Genesis 17. And that's when he changed his name from, and changed Sarai to Sarah. And uh, so she was the, the mother of many nations. So that's kind of where that goes. I love how we get to see how um, Abraham's faith grows. Because he didn't have faith, you know, when he was going into Egypt and, you know, basically saying, oh, no, she's my sister. He didn't have faith that God was going to protect there. He didn't have faith that God was really going to supply his son. So they're like, oh, we'll, we'll do it this other way. But by the time he gets to Isaac, he doesn't doubt. He, he, he is willing to sacrifice Isaac. How much has his faith grown through that journey? Well, yeah. So like, so that would be the spiritual side. So Isaac was the spiritual element of it because it was God divine. And, and Ishmael would have been the, the physical, the flesh side of it, hmm. where it's condemned, right? And then in Galatians 3.29, it says that God through Jesus are, are also counted a, us as spiritual heirs to Abraham. It says the father of the faithful had his moment of doubt and disbelief, yet he is still exalted among men as an example of faithful life. It's, so it's come full circle. Awesome. And it's pretty cool that, you know, the New Testament talks about. It. So let's just go into that. We're going to actually, a, few, a little bit now, we're going to talk about the New Testament a little bit. But Okay. All right. So one obvious lesson to draw from Abraham's life is that we are to live a life of faith. Abraham could, could take his son Isaac up to Mount Moriah because he knew God was faithful to keep his promises. Abraham's faith, faith wasn't a blind faith. His faith was a settled assurance and a trust in the one who proved himself faithful over and over and over. When I've when I've spent quality time with the Lord in intimacy and I've really pursued the throne room of God and rested there, there's no mistaking God's voice. 
There is no mistaking what he sounds like. It's always gentle, kind, loving, and it's always telling me to decrease. And it's always telling me to have him increase. Mm. It's always telling me to love and be gentle and kind and forgiving and long suffering. It's always doing that. That's how I know for a fact it's God, right? It's it, it, his, his word never returns void. It's always true. And so when I'm in, in his presence, so here's Abraham knows that he knows for a fact what God told him to do. There's no doubting here. Okay? He knows his word. He knows his truth. But if we look back on our own lives, we would see the hand of God's providence all over it. God doesn't have to visit us accompanied by angels or speak from burning bushes or part the sea waters to be active in our life. God is superintending and orchestrating the events of our lives. Sometimes it may not, not seem that way, but Abraham's life was evidence that God's presence in our life is real. Even Abraham's failures demonstrate that God, while not protecting us from the consequences of our sin, graciously, graciously works his will in us and through us. Nothing we do will thwart his plan for our life. So, I mean, bottom line, he's there. And if you are his child and you are chosen and set apart, he's got your back. You know, sometimes in our selfish and uh, in flesh ways, man, we kind of like to see God part the Red Sea. Oh, yeah, I know. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't have to do that. Now, but he could. But, 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 I mean, I can, I can honestly say there's been things that have happened in my life that are like parting the Red Sea. Yeah, I agree. Where their mountains were so big and so immovable that he removed them. I mean, just our story of us coming to Florida, there's, there's so many miracles in that, you know? And so... Yeah, God does amazing things. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right, Abraham's life also shows us the blessing of simple obedience. When asked to leave his family, Abraham left. When asked to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham rose up early in the morning to do so. From what we can discern from the biblical narrative, there was no hesitation in Abraham's obedience. Abraham, like most of us, may have agonized over these decisions, but when it was time to act, he acted. When we discern a true call from God or we read his instructions in his word, we must act. Obedience is not optional when God commands something. I think a lot of us wrestle with um, surrendering completely to God. And so when God calls you and when he speaks, there's got to be something in you that says, I'm all in. Um, and I think a lot of times we're not all in. I think we're still wrestling with God. And we're, we're fighting, we're kicking against the goats, as he told Paul, right? It's, it's, there's got to be something where you finally settle. Maybe this is the New Year's resolution. I don't know. Where you get before God and you just say, God, I'm all in. I surrender. I will go where you go. I will stay when you stay. I will, I will jump. I will, I will sing. I will praise you. I will do whatever it is that you ask me to do. I will use my gifts for your glory, Lord. I'm all in. And, and we get to that point where we have to be completely vulnerable and broken before God. And, and Abraham taught us, you know, way back when he taught us what it looked like to be all in. And once you, once you enter the presence of God, so Abraham was face to face with God. He was in the presence with God. Once we pursue God and we position ourselves, God says, knock and the door will be open. Seek and, the, and you will find. Once we knock and once we position ourselves to be in his presence and we experience the true love of God in the most unadulterated way, we are transformed. Romans 12 tells us we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We become changed. As 2 Corinthians 
517 says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That is That happens, though, when we finally say all in. If we can't surrender that way, and our hearts are wrestling with God, and we're still running, and we're still trying to control our own lives, we lack that intimacy. We lack the ability to hear him that way. And Abraham heard him that way. And, uh, and that's what he did. And so he had an active relationship with him. So anyway, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, you know, Abraham, you know, it's interesting that God revealed his plans to Abraham before destroying the cities and that he was not taken back by Abraham's questions. Abraham example here shows us what it looks like to interact with God regarding his plans, intercede for others. This is talking about, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, he, you know, Abraham's like, wait, God, I have this relationship with you, and I know that you're a good God, but you're still going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah? What if there's five people? What if there's uh, 50 people? What if there's 10 people? And God's like, oh, you know me really well. You're right. If there's five people, I won't. If there's, you know, well, I mean, if 10 people, whatever. <laughs> but ends up, you know, Lot, he saves Lot and his family. But um, that's the good God that we have. Just we trust him, and we have intimacy with him, and we can have conversation with him. And we can share our concerns like this. I was, I've talked to God about politics a lot. I was like, Lord, I don't understand. What are you allowing to happen? You know, and I had this conversation and God just gives me peace. He goes, son, I'm in charge. I'm in control. I will wipe out Sodom Gomorrah for you. Don't worry about it. Oh, Lord, there's a lot of good people <laughs> in the United States right now. And you could take care of them. He was like, I will take care of them. Got it. Yeah. Not me, but God, yeah, right, God exactly. got it. Yeah. He's, he's saying I got it. Yep. All right, Abraham's lapses of faith, particularly in regards to the situation with Hagar and Ishmael, show us the folly of trying to take matters into our own hands. God has promised a son to Abraham and Sarah, but in their impatience, their plan to provide an heir to Abraham backfired. First, conflict between Sarah and Hagar arose, and later on, conflict between Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael's descendants ended up becoming bitter enemies of the people of God, as we later learn in the Old Testament narrative. And so it continues to this day, conflict between Israel and its Arab neighbors. We cannot fulfill the will of God on our own strength. Our efforts ultimately end up creating more problems than they solve. This lesson was wide-ranging, has wide-ranging applications in our lives even today. If God has promised to do something, we must be faithful, patient, and wait for him to accomplish it in his you could have said it any better. I mean, amen. I mean, theologically speaking, Abraham's life is a living example of the doctrine of sola fide, justification by faith alone. Wait, you speak in Latin? Well, yeah, that's that's the whole Reformation kind of thing. I think we talked about that. We one. did. Haven't, we did yeah. doing that. Yeah. Twice the Apostle Paul uses Abraham as an example of this crucial doctrine. In Romans, the entire fourth chapter is devoted to illustrating justification by faith through the life of Abraham. A similar argument is made in the book of Galatians, where Paul shows from Abraham's life that the Gentiles are heirs with the Jews to the blessings of Abraham through faith. Galatians 3, 6, 14, 16, 18, 29. This goes back to Genesis 15, 6, where Abraham believed the Lord and he created it to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith in the promises of God was sufficient for God to declare him righteous in his right, in his sight, thereby proving the principle of Romans 3, 28. Abraham did nothing to earn justification. His trust in God was enough. That's huge. And so that is like, Paul is making that one of his major arguments is like, wait, Abraham wasn't uh, circumcised. 
Abram didn't go through any rituals. Abraham just had faith and trusted in God, and that was enough. And, and, and he's saying the same thing with Jesus. When we trust in Jesus and we believe that he died and rose again on the cross for a third day to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life, that's enough. Same thing with Abraham. It's enough. So, so Abraham was kind of a big deal. And then also we know about, you know, the whole, the, the foreshadowing of killing Isaac and so forth. It was, you know, are we going to trust God to raise him from the dead? Are we going to trust God to, to do whatever it is with our lives? But, you know, that's what happened. Jesus did what he did. And now through Abraham's seed, we have a life and we're grafted in and amen. All right. Just beautiful how the Old Testament flows right into the New Amen. Testament, back and forth. Amen. So I mean, we say it a lot. You, you, the more you understand the Old Testament, the more the New Testament makes sense. Yes. All right. So we see in this the workings of God's grace very early in the Old Testament. The gospel didn't start with the life and death of Jesus, but goes all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis 3.15, God made a promise that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Theologians believe this is the first mention of the gospel in the Bible. The rest of the Old Testament chronicles the outworkings of the gospel of God's grace through the line of promise, beginning with Seth in Genesis 4.26. Well, let's go back before you finish this. Before, yeah. You know, the seed of the woman, that's the, the gospel. What do you mean by the gospel in Genesis 3.4, the seed of the woman? Well, it was, you know, Jesus came through a woman, right? So that's the seed of a woman. It was through Mary that Jesus was born. Jesus overcame the world, right? He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled the whole law. And then he was the perfect sacrifice. There's only life in the blood, right? Spilling of the blood. So he spilt his blood and he died or as a perfect person, a perfect lamb, right? So through the seed of Abraham, through a woman, he then rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, Romans 16 says that he crushed Satan beneath our feet. We now have the power to crush Satan beneath our feet because now we have Jesus. He defeated that. So the seed of the woman is what he's talking about. He deceit, he he one day is going to defeat Satan once again. So that's what that's talking about. But did that make sense or did yeah. I confuse more? No, that makes okay. perfect sense. Right. And it just draws us back to, it, it opens back up the opportunity to have that relationship with God that Adam and Eve had in the garden. That's exactly right. So we have the keys of the kingdom. Yep. Full circle. Yep. All right. The calling of Abraham was just another piece of the story of redemption. Paul tells us that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham when God told him all nations will be blessed through Galatians 3.8. Isn't that cool? I mean, here's Paul telling his, his listeners, listen, through Abraham, God told him that all the nations are going to be blessed through him. And he goes, that was already foretold. Yeah. And here it is now. So <laughs> it's another thing we learn from Abraham's life that, that is that faith is not hereditary. Matthew 3.9, Luke 3.8, and John 8.39 we learn that it is not enough to be physically descended from Abraham to be saved. The application for us is that it is not enough to be raised in a Christian home. We do not enter into fellowship with God or gain entry into heaven based on someone else's faith. God is not obligated to save us simply because we have an impeccable Christian pedigree. Paul uses Abraham to, use, to illustrate this in Romans 9, where he says, not all who descend from Abraham were elected into salvation, Romans 9, 7. God sovereignly chooses those who receive salvation, but the salvation comes through the same faith that Abraham exercised in his life. So we're opening up a can of worms here, and we're not going to get into this. But here's here's the point of this. I was tempted. I was tempted. I'm like, no, don't do it. No. We'll do another show on this. Yeah, or eight. But we know 
But we know that if you, if God has revealed himself to you and says, come unto me, then you're chosen by God and you have a choice, either surrender your life all in or yep. not. There you go. That's the truth. Get and that's, or, that's or what not. I say. Yes, exactly. All right. right. All right. Finally, we see that James uses the life of Abraham as an illustration that faith without works is dead. See James 2, 21. The example he uses is a story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. Mere assent to the truths of the gospel is not enough to save. Faith must result in good works of obedience that show a living faith. The faith that was enough to justify Abraham and count him as righteous in God's eyes, Genesis 15, was the very same faith that moved him into action as he obeyed God's command to sacrifice his son Isaac. Abraham was justified by his faith, and his faith proved by his works. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a yeah. lot. So it's if if I am a, if I am a follower of Christ and I sit on my feet, I mean, I sit on my butt and I do nothing. Am I a follower of Christ? Because what is Christ telling me to do? Christ wants me to love the world. God, Christ wants me to sacrifice. And I didn't come to be served. He said I came to serve, and He wants us to follow Him, and He wants us to go and do likewise. And so, and then more than anything else. He wants us to be obedient because he wants the very best for our life and he wants to bless our life and he wants to, he wants to be involved in our life. And so he wants to walk step-by-step step with us. And, and if we're going about our day and, and God puts something on your heart to love somebody that's in desperate need, don't you think you're automatically going to love that person? Because Christ so loved me when I want to love somebody else the same and share that love of God with somebody. That's what it's saying. It's like people are saying, no, you, you know, you can't, you're not saved because, you know, you have to do works. You're saved only by faith. Well, yes, you're only saved by faith. We get it. But the works come naturally when you have a relationship with God. Yeah. Here, yeah here's, I think I reconcile this in my mind. So I'm not saved by, by my works. Absolutely. I mean, it's the Bible's very, very clear that it's by faith. Yeah. But my works are proof of my salvation. Yeah, and it's like, you know, there's some religions that out there, and I'm not going to name them, but everybody knows them, where they are saying that you have to have works plus faith. And if you don't have works, then you can't say that you're, faith, you're saved. And in, I guess in a roundabout way, yes, that's true. Because like you just said, it comes naturally to have works. But the works, so look at it as a mathematical equation. The, the works is on the other side of the equal sign. Yes. So the salvation is on the left side. The works is on the other side of the equal sign. That's it. And that's the way to look at it. Totally different so, yeah. mindset. Yeah. It's not one plus one is yeah, two. Yeah, it's not faith plus works no. equals salvation. No. It's salvation equals yeah. works. That's or, it. Or, yeah, it's the transformation. And so it's like when you're with God, you're changed. It's like, it's nothing you can do. God's chosen you. It's like, you know, he, he's the one that pursues you. He's the one that's working all things together for good. It's like, he already knows how messed up you are. He already knows where you're going, but he still chooses to love you. He still chooses to pursue you. And it's when you experience that and you're like, wait, I don't deserve this. I've messed this up, God. My, my, my crap is stinky, right? I, I don't smell like roses right now. And God's like, well, I still see you as roses. I still love you. I still care for you. I still want to work within your life. You're like, I don't deserve that. 
God's not afraid of our mess. No, he's not. Even how stinky it is. And he just still loves us. And so that's what I'm saying. How, how do you not want to be in fellowship with him? And so, listen, if you're listening here today and um, you've heard our message about Abraham, um, we just want to give you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord and, and, and or repent. Um, you know, maybe, maybe New Year's is a time that you just say, you know what, I want to be all in. You know, I, I've been wrestling with God for too long and it's time for me to just repent of my sins. Well, you could do that. Just say, God, I just, I ask for forgiveness and I repent of my stupidity and I just want to be all in. I want to be, I want to be, as Bob said, I want to get inside the canoe and just go and float down the river and trust that God's going to lead me. I don't want to be that person that's standing one foot on land and one foot not. And I thank you for giving Bob that, 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 that that illustration, it really helps bring to light where we can be in our own life. And if that's you and you want to be all in, just say, God, forgive me. And you can, or maybe you've just are asking the question, am I really saved? And you know, maybe you've never been saved. Maybe you're truly not a child of God. Maybe you're the person that's been fighting God for so long and you've been living in a worldly life and you're just, you choose world ways versus God's ways. Maybe your desires are more to to party and to live it up and to try to fix your own problems and control your own life. And maybe you're thinking, maybe it's not working right for you. Maybe you're you're tired of that. And maybe you just want to trust God with everything. And so you could do that. And if that's you, just say, God, forgive me of my sins. I repent. I choose to serve you and live for you today. I choose to believe that you are the son of God, the, uh, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again on the third day. I choose to 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 be in fellowship with you and to be obedient and to be all in and 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 just say that in Jesus name amen and and God says that if you do that now go tell somebody you know the bible says if you confess me before man I too will confess you before my father in heaven but if you deny me before man I too will deny you before my father in heaven and uh don't find yourself denying God if you have the opportunity to share the God's truth or tell somebody about Jesus talk about him because God says he's going to bless you in heaven. But if you're going to deny him, that's not good. And if you've been a denier of God for a long time, now is the time to repent of that and uh, just come unto him. Bob, how can they get a hold of us? Because we would love to hear their story of how God has been speaking yeah, into their life. Thanks, Pete. That's a, a great idea. Lots of ways you can do it. Um, you can go to our website, theriotpodcast.com. You can go to any of our social media sites, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, I know it's called X now. Uh, sorry, Elon. And uh, you can also go to YouTube, so you can actually watch the podcast. You know, don't do that if you're driving, but uh, you can watch the podcast and, and always check out download hair. Download the app. Yeah. So go to the app store, whether you're, uh, you're Apple or uh, what's that other company? Yeah, Google or whatever. Google. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depending on what kind of Android. You have. Yeah. Android. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I, it, just, it slipped my mind. I could. That happens remember. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> So we, any of those ways are great ways to reach out. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear comments. Um, you know, there's a connect with us page on our website. There's also, you can just comment on our social media sites, however you want to do it. We would love to hear from you. And, uh, man, just, just honored to be able to do this for another year, Pete, 2024. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to next week as we, uh, we talk a little bit more about the story of Abraham, this, just this amazing, the father of, uh, the, of the faith, right? I mean, this is just a just an amazing story, amazing man, and uh, I just really love the Book of Genesis. There's so much Amen. stuff in here that we can learn. So, um, good to be back.
feels like it's been a while since we did a show. Yeah. I know it's only been a week, but it feels a lot longer than that for some. All right. Be blessed, everyone. God bless you guys. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.